I'll be right back, I swear. Okay. Two minutes. If you're gonna pee, I'm gonna pee. Oh god, alright, go. Oh god! Should this be our intro? Welcome to Buckkeep Radio. We are coming to you from inside the walls. This is episode 29, Mad Ship, chapters 16 through 20. And I'm Rachel, a rereader. I'm Alyssa, a rereader. I'm Jenny, and I'm a new reader. I'm Eli, and I'm a new reader. I'm Elena, I'm a new reader. And I'm Ashley, and I'm a new reader. First up, corrections, omissions, announcements. I wanted to give Elena a, a second. I think you wanted to elaborate on something you said in the last episode. Oh, yes. Um, yes. The the point, uh, the, the uncomfortable chapter with, um, uh, her name's Sabine? Cirilla. Cirilla. There, thank you, guys. Yeah. Cirilla. Um, uh, just the, um, I'm not. Uh, what, what I was saying about the difference between physical and psychological um, effects, I'm not trying to say that there is no psychological effect from being physically brutalized um, via rape or any other method, but rather the like the specific point of the to- of like the torturous aspect would have been physical with the Chalcedians versus psychological with this uh, satrap Costco because he might not be like worse about it physically but he would be very intentionally like degrading and trying to violate all of her morals and sort of values that he could with it and so you know the choice is sort of like do you want to take like the physical torture or the psychological torture sure Um, yeah yeah just wanted to you know because it was kind of like a nuanced conversation that we we had sort of like later on in that episode uh so maybe just want you know wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page with that um we did get some listener mail uh so shout out to kate for the thank you email and pointing out that describing these books to friends in an effort to get them to read them can often be a hard stuff <laughs> it really it's is like, it's like hey read these books they make you feel so bad um, <laughs> in the best way possible so yeah my advice is to start a podcast and force all of your friends to read them with you so i 100 um, percent agree because i mean i gave assassin's apprentice away at a white elephant a couple years ago i'm pretty sure they never read it um i've you know i've i post about this podcast all the time and it's like it's really hard to get people to read period my interest was peaked, so this time exactly a year ago, Rachel, myself, Eli, and Joey were in Chicago for Star Wars Celebration, and the four of us went to dinner, and Joey, Rachel, and Eli were talking about these books. It was not the live ship books, I think it's a trilogy that we haven't gotten to yet, but you guys were talking about them, and I was just sitting at the table like, I don't know what anybody's talking about, but it sure does sound interesting. <laughs> I thought it sounded interesting and then when Rachel was like yeah we're gonna do this project I was like um yeah totally count me in I want to be in on it so it doesn't sound horrible to everybody so you're saying you have to make everyone feel bad that they don't know what you're talking about so like make a lot of in jokes 
That doesn't always work, because we've talked about these books in front of Lauren, like, a million times, and she's always just like, I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about, but I don't want to read these books. I don't, but I don't know if, I don't know if Lauren would ever want to read these books. No, I don't think she would. These just don't feel like her genre. Like, for whatever reason, like, the Game of Thrones, like, Venn Diagram, plus all her other books, like, the Robin Doesn't Hobbit include stuff this. is, like, out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um... We also got some tags on Instagram, one from Jenny letting us know that she is listening to us while in quarantine, which is nice because we're making this from quarantine. And uh, a comment also from Mark uh, that was chastising, <laughs> I guess, our Jenny, that she went too far with the tattoos on, on uh, the Keep Radio edit of Windrow. Don't listen to them, Jenny. I did, I did make a comment to, like... He made a comment about the father tattoo, and Jenny was like, I just drew what the people told me to draw. <laughs> it was the father tattoo, it was something oh. I requested because a lot of people wear their tattoos as scars of their life's trauma. And so I thought father would be appropriate, and I really wanted it to be a neck tat. So that's on me. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I would argue that that you didn't go far enough. Like there could have been more. Oh yeah, and so much more. And piercings in my dreams. Oh, um, oh he has piercings. Uh, <laughs> he needed, he needed I mean, piercing and grills on his cheek. Yeah. Yeah. Well, his mouth isn't open. Yeah. So who knows what's under there? You guys, give me a list. I can add there. to that drawing. You know, all of their teeth were rotting out of their heads, anyways. Why not slap some gold on there and call it good? Yeah. No, I'm sure they have something from the Rainwilds that keeps them fresh and clean all the time. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's move on to uh, chapter 16. Oh, okay. Is there voice acting? I'm really there excited. Is, there is. We'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. Okay. There's some good voice acting. Um, I'm pumped. So I'm going to do, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, at the end of this, I'll do a, a little advertisement for the audiobook. That's what I'm here for. It's an advertisement. Advertisement. Um, so, <laughs> a quick recap. Broshan has come back to Bangtown. Broshan's back. Back again. And so, he's <laughs> he's relayed to the Vestrits that Vivesha has been taken by pirates. Broshan is now leaving to go back to whatever hole he sleeps in. So, as Broshan's leaving, Althea's taking a little sneaky peek out the window, and she's looking at his rolling gait. Um, <laughs> she thinks to herself, and I quote, she disapproved of everything about him, and yet the sight of him had set her heart racing. Broshan, she said hopelessly to the darkness. So you pronounce it Broshan in the audio? The Brits. <laughs> Yeah, the English, the, they okay. got the, the yeah. Ration. So the cam Ration. the camera pans back to Malta, who is climbing out of her window in the middle of the night in her sexiest nightgown. Malta knows <laughs> she's the only one with the goods to convince anyone to help their sorry excuse for her family. During her midnight trek, and possibly the only time she has ever been outside, the preteen encounters disgusting <laughs> bugs. What appears to be a cougar, um, and, but nevertheless, she makes it out to the gazebo. Um, there is a secret rendezvous with Sir Wintrell, the romantic youth, who definitely didn't bring his sister along. Oh, wait, he did. And he didn't bring her a gift? What the fuck? How dare he? And, and this skinny boy who's not nearly as muscled as his brother or Rain, 
didn't even bother to kiss her. A poor fish, a catch she should throw back, is what she described him as. <laughs> Ooh. But he did pledge his loyalty to her cause, which I guess is the reason she went out there in the first place. But uh, Malta thinks about how Broshan had been looking at Althea like a hungry cat stalking a bird. And in a desperate attempt to seduce somebody this night, Malta decides to end her icing out of rain and take a trip in the dream box. So... <laughs> So I'm going to play this uh, very good voice acting from the audiobook. <laughs> Hopefully you can hear it well on my snowball. I do not know how we will feed ourselves, let alone find money to ransom my father. I fear I will be wed off to the rain wild immediately. As much as that distresses me, I know it is what I must do. Rain is a generous man. He will help us to get my father back. If marrying him is what it will take, I do not mind so much. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I cannot. I know. I was going to say yeah. the same thing. Wow. I cannot do it. That sounds awful. It's straight out of like a 1940s movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like 1940s Pride and Oh, it's so good. I mean, she sounds like 35 and stuff. I love it so much. It's so 13. good. <laughs> That's what love sounds like, everyone. <laughs> anyway, I'm... It's really love great. Is. I'm only a third of the way through my section, so let's get back to it. Back in some dive, scumbag McSexy, not a pirate, decides that the Spring Eve is not the place for him. I wonder if he'll put his two weeks in. Brashen takes the last of his send-in, like all of us, on Thursday night of Dragon Con and wonders how his stash got so low so fast. <laughs> they say that history repeats itself, and with Brashen, that's certainly the case. Jobless and penniless, Brashen makes his way back to spend the night at the Paragon. When he gets there, Amber is hanging out with the Paragon, and she tries to get Brashen to join her in attempting to save him from being dismembered. But in typical Amber fashion, she piques Brashen's interest, but is probing and abrasive and scares him away with talk of redeeming himself. Where will you grow, Krell? Where will you go to get away from yourself? <laughs> An interesting aside, during this chapter, Brashen mentions that saving Vivacia from the pirates, um, which sends Paragon into a flashback fit, which seems to involve his mistreatment at the hands of pirates in his past. Ah, yes, it's so good. Sorry. So, here we go. Malta pops fresh double A's <laughs> from her dream box. She's ready for romance. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to laugh at yourself, Eli. I'm so fucking funny. Okay, so <laughs> this is gonna be a long episode, friends. Uh, I'm just wondering if Eli realizes what vibrators run on typically. I don't. I don't. I don't. But I thought it was funny as fuck. My God. I thought it was funny as fuck. Anyway. <laughs> Message, he begins to believe that the box is broken. The POV changes to Rain. Rain dreams with his of his trapped dragon friend who is trying to beg her, beg him to free her. So 
just as um, she needs sunlight to be free, but Rain says that she is completely buried, unable to be dug out of her grave. Rain wakes up sweating. He lives in the Rain Wilds, and we learn a little about, bit about his treehouse settlement called Tree Hog. <laughs> we get some in. We. <laughs> H A U G. Okay, good. Um, we get some insight into Wizardwood um, prep for shipbuilding. Apparently, they have to cut it apart, and it's like um, like a cocoon or an egg or something, and they uh, have to toss out the little soft dragon embryo. It's pretty gross. The description. Um, contrastly. There's a tapestry that Rain has that gives a little more insight into what happens if you expose it to sunlight. Um, a gross dragonling hatches and eats the wizard wood egg. So <laughs> we, we also learn his thoughts about Malta, or some of them. He recognizes that she is very selfish and childish, but he also thinks that she's very strong and thinks that she would be an excellent matriarch and that she would protect his family. Um, he goes back to sleep thinking about her, um, and then his rest is interrupted by who? That's right, Empress Malt has finally arrived. Rain, you have to help me, she says, and Rain creates an unmoving world for them from one of his favorite tapestries, and um, the descriptions sound kind of like Elderlings from the past uh, trilogy. The figures in this world come alive, and Rain notes that it's probably from Malta because there's nobody else in the dream. Um, throughout the dream, a couple is making out, and they comment that I can only presume are Malta's thoughts throughout the conversation. Um, like, for example, there's one situation where Rain says, what do you want me to do? And this couple that she is, like, making move with her thoughts says, Kiss me, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I just thought was hilarious. Um, so anyway, <laughs> Malta explains the situation about Vivacious capture, which is kind of maybe dumb because he is one of their creditors. Um, but before Rain can really respond to it, um, the dragon intrudes on their dream and i'm thinking that maybe this is like a skill skill thing their dream is skill based um and the dragon says i have the power and explains that you know i can you know if you free me i'm super powerful i can go and get your shit back and malta thinks this is a really good idea but rain's like she's uh it's impossible to save her she's trapped way underground and Rain takes Malta away from the dragon, and Malta finally gets a nice smooch before the dream ends. So, um, just some further proof, I think this this maybe is the skill that they're using. Um, Malta can hear the dragon inside the wizard wood um, like Rain can, but nobody else in the Rain Wilds can really hear the dragon. Um, I think that this is maybe maybe the skill that the dragon is communicating through just based on hints from, from this and previous books, sort of what it feels like. 
So I'm going to jump to the really important information first. Okay. And that is mm-hmm. during the smooch fest between Malta and Rain, <laughs> she talks about how she can feel the veil in between their lips. So they don't even like part the veil and then kiss. They straight up like keep no. the veil in between them. Yeah, yeah. And she Is that how veils have it's... always worked in the history of veils and I just didn't know that? Or is that specific yeah, to texture. their veil? Well, previously they said that the veil opened very easily for him to drink wine. So right? so presumably yeah. it's got a slit in it. But But she didn't let that. So I wonder if, like, she kept the veil in between them because she didn't want his toady lips to touch her. (laughs) Or he he did to keep the mystery alive. Because he very specifically, like, quote, prepared to go meet her by dressing properly, including his veil. And there was was a little bit of a hint that he had, like, some warty growth or something that he was scratching at before... The dream started, so maybe he's not. I don't know. Maybe he's. I like to envision him with the allure of like tuxedo masks, so we're just gonna go <laughs> with that vibe. So maybe it's tuxedo mask with like uh, some warts. <laughs> so maybe I was wrong, and maybe he's not quite as hot as I I uh, originally thought. Maybe he's. Uh, maybe he's. Mm. Maybe Malta did envision him as a sexy guy in the first 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 dream, and uh, it's maybe not a hundred percent true. Although, according to his mom and him, they are much better looking than the other mom. Yeah, but much better looking than grotesque is like, I mean, you're still kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, is that like Goomba and then like not so Goomba? Yeah, like, like able to pass in like Twilight, you know, is not quite the same the as being an attractive human. Yeah. To be fair, yeah. to be fair, Don't Ronica make... did say that um, Johnny was beautiful in like a weird way yeah like a bug like <laughs> like a beautiful a beautiful <laughs> blue person a beautiful blue person she's mean. a chiss yeah yeah they're just you know weird looking um i i super enjoyed uh the fact that we finally got a meeting between brashen and amber mm-hmm. yes yeah. And, he, and she is, you know. she is like just a complete shit to him the entire time, and I love that. But he needed, yeah, it. she needed calls it. him out. He need, yes, for sure, his high ass. Like he needed somebody to, yeah, bring him down. She's, she's coming <laughs> off that conversation with Althea, where she's like, "Oh, this fucker, this is not, this ain't right." Yeah. <laughs> you got to clean yourself up before you date my friend. That's how that works. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotta compete with Greg. 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 <laughs> Apparently some stiff competition. Yeah, seems like. Yeah, except that Althea's looking out the window going, Brash. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> Just pathetic. Well, you know. I mean, we've all been there, but like, we can see you, Althea. <laughs> <laughs> that whole like gazebo thing with Malta was just killing me. All I could think to myself was she is 15 going on 14. (laughs) She is a bit nice. She just needs your money. (laughs) 
just love how angry she got at him for not bringing her gifts and not kissing her in the way that she like envisioned this romantic. She movie. barely even got there, and she's like, "He's not holding anything." I repeat, there there is nothing <laughs> in his hand. <laughs> she's looking around like to see somebody. Be like, "What? You see that? Like, am I alone in this?" Do Do you guys ever watch the movie Gigi with Leslie Caron? No, of course, no, no. Well, okay, so she's like a child. And, like, is poor, and she's trying to land this rich older guy, and he starts giving her gifts, and she starts getting, like, uppity about it. So, that's the whole thing. And then that's, <laughs> from that, there's, in that movie, that's the Thank Heaven for Little Girls song. Yeah. For Creepy. little girls. Yeah. Anyway. I want to watch Gigi. I'm going to watch that when we're done. <laughs> uh, the dragons, time. you guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing. They're trapped in wood. They need sunlight to come out. But did they die in an egg? But did they <laughs> die in an egg? They eat their way this out. This one did not die in the and egg. They eat this one's still alive. And well, if they chop into the wood, then it murders them. But yeah, because they take them out before they're like done yeah. cooking Because you make, yeah. make it if you yeah. make an omelet before it's grown. Oh, God. I think a cocoon <laughs> is better than an egg. Yeah, like I, I think it's more of a cocoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I immediately just thought of a bunch of old people in cocoons in a pool. <laughs> oh, I love those movies. Those movies are so good. They're so good. So we, th- we think there's skill involved. Oh, well, how else yeah. would they compete? Just, compete? But they don't, it might be the they don't seem to have any of the side effects that being a skill user so we talked about this before comes you, with. you were like you what were, though and side you, effects were, you, were, sucked. you were trying to convince me a couple books ago that the side effects were due to Fitz being beaten and then taking drugs his entire life yeah but what about Verity Verity didn't get beaten or take drugs yeah but Verity was also taking drugs and he also didn't finish his training from Solicity because Galen was like, everybody's done. Now. I mean, maybe it's the wit. I don't know, but I feel like this is they're they're so similar. I mean, a dragon is an animal. They're so it could be wit. they're so similar know. that I, I. No, I'm not saying that it's not the skill. Yeah. I'm just saying that I don't know if this means that they are themselves are skill users, or maybe they're skill sensitive, or. Well, right, because even if you have. If, if you don't, you don't have to have the skill to receive a right yeah. message. Yeah, so. so it's like the dragon could be using it, but Rain is just like right. What else? He's just hearing the it. radio. Yeah, right. I guess we will find out. Yeah. Maybe. Shantui. So, so do we actually think the dragon a would be able to help? if they let her out and B would she help if they let I her out I don't think that dragon's going to help anybody. I think that dragon's going to get out and it's going to tear shit up. <laughs> it's going to be pissed as hell. It's been trapped down in there trying to get out for fucking ever and then it's going to be like wrath. Just it's going to be like fucking Danny on that dragon just blowing shit up. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> My question about the life cycle of dragons is like you think that, like, they wouldn't be able to just 
live in that state in the cocoon forever and ever and ever and then still come out yeah, right like, i mean at a certain for... point like they need something they need something to stay alive like where's their nutritional element are but they like all... water bears they Spirit. just like turn off yeah i, I know. know it's magic yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean we're talking about stones that turned into things that fly and eat shit so i don't know if we can really be like well they need to eat their breakfast <laughs> so you think that whatever comes out of this is going to be like really a messed up dragon walk. like it's not developed correctly no I think it's just going to be no angry. I just wonder I'm just questioning the life cycle of a dragon it sounds pretty shitty I mean I can say that much it, it does make sense that there would be some kind of like something bad would happen to them if they are trapped in a cocoon yeah. Stage too long. too long. I mean, otherwise it would be like part of the, well, I don't know, part of their directions. I don't know. Maybe it is part of the directions and they lost them. Here's my thing is like, so if what we know about dragons is they would have to receive sunlight to get out of the tree. They're like, yeah, I don't, that's it. That's really but all we know. Trees are always in sunlight. So yeah, I guess it would just be a matter of it getting cooked up. I don't know. Well, they're not usually kept in basements. Right. Well, wasn't, wasn't there also a thing about it being, like, in the river? Like, so it has to get, like, soaked with the river water before the, it's pulpy enough for the dragon to claw its way out or something? Oh, no. Oh, God. This is the dumbest, nerdiest thing ever, but whenever I... Whenever I heard I this, whenever going. I heard this, my immediate thought was the, uh, you know, the old Star Wars books where I can't remember. Is it Yasan Asard? Uh, there's a super destro- star destroyer under Coruscant and they have to like, they like let it, it they let it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is this dragon under, it's, it's like, like a super that. star destroyer <laughs> stuck under the city. <laughs> Just, like, stuck under the city. I mean, that's not a bad analogy, especially if we're, like, assuming that these dragons are kind of like Game of Thrones dragons, you know. Yeah. Powerful. I don't know if it breathes fire, but I know it's got, it's angry, and it'll probably be hungry, so. Yeah, like, what the shit does this stuff eat, man? It's gonna be hungry, for sure. It hasn't eaten in who, who knows how long. I mean, they don't have guns. They barely even have, like, they don't even have the ballista. They've got Fire. Yeah, their biggest guns we've seen are firefights. On... Like, right, and that's yeah. why I'm on Johnny's side because I feel like, okay, fine, you want to like give yourself a medal for saving the last dragon or whatever, but then what? You save the last fucking like at, at what, what cost? cost? Like, mm-hmm. what yeah. are you going to feed it? How are you going to control it? It could destroy the city, and like, I don't know. Why Seems are we like... calling him Johnny? This is not the pet you huh? wanted. To... Uh, his mother, no, his, his mom. mom, his mom that in the last section was like, you, you got to leave it. Let's just leave it. Yeah. Because he tried to convince his mom that he should be able to take the ceiling off and everything. No. And she was like, no. I said, why did you call him Johnny? Her. His mom's name is Johnny. Yeah, that's his mother's she name. She calls him Johnny? Her. No, his mom's name no, is Johnny. No, mother's name oh, is Johnny. Oh, Johnny. Oh, this was extra confusing for I'm, me as I'm so, audiobook reader. I'm so visual. Like, when I hear words, I always, like, picture them. They, like, like, flash in front of my eyes. And so, obviously, like, for me, I hear Johnny, and I'm thinking, like, why are we referring to Rain as Johnny now? <laughs> and then I just think of Johnny from 
Dirty Dancing. And it or Janny or whatever. Yanni yeah. or Yanni. however. I, th- I was yeah. thinking her name Yanni. Yanni, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Okay. I'm like, who? Pardon. So do we think that Malta has uh, reeled Rain in sufficiently to gain his assistance? I think so. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think so. so. I think so. Yeah. I, I was super impressed with Rain's read on her. He's like, you know, yeah, she's super young and kind of catty and uh, grasping right now, but she's kind of got that like matriarch heart. And if I can make her mine, like she will take care of the fucking family. And I was like, you know, that's actually a really good was, read on it was her. A, it was kind and... of refreshing. Yeah, he's not. He's not just moody yeah. over her. He's, he did. He did have a little bit of a yeah. plan. Yeah, a little yeah. strategy. And also, like a a plan to help her sort of grow into, like, you know, a real person and a real presence, not just be some ornamental, you know, trader's daughter kind of wife, but like legit, like she would be a power, and she needs that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to move us on to chapter seventeen which is my chapter. It is called Marooned. Uh, let's see how it, it was very long and they're all so long. <laughs> I, so I long. love so I love so I'm going to so much. I'm glad you did it. It's a good chapter. Yeah, it's a good I chapter, guess. but I have like glazed yeah. over some stuff, so um if it's not there, you can totally bring it up when I'm done. All right. So, late one night, Kenneth wakes up with a plan. He gets dressed, he snaps at Edda to stay asleep, and then he thinks about how she needs to do a better job on his peg leg because it's uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, to which I was like, wow, Kenneth, you're getting like a whole peg leg and a sex partner out of the situation, and you're being very ungrateful right now uh, just because you don't like the fact that you kind of owe her, uh, but whatever. So peg leg on, <laughs> he goes to the deck to find, uh, well, he sees Wintrow, who's sleeping because he's just done a lot of chores. And on his way, he passes Ankle, and she's the slave girl that we saw early on that wouldn't stop trying to get her fetters off of her ankle, and now she's permanently disabled. Uh, Kenneth has some stupid-ass thoughts about her, too, like how Etta is insisting that Ankle can't be raped by the crew and any of the freed slaves anymore, and he thinks that's pointless because he never heard Ankle, a girl that doesn't talk, say she didn't like it. <laughs> Wonderful. So so he passes her, and then he's talking to Vivacia because she's, like, staring at Wintrow while he sleeps. And he gaslights Vivacia when she asks if he means to harm Ankle. And he's like, no, I swear. And Vivacia's all like, well, I mean, I I can't swear, but I can tell that you think it's whatever you're going to do is fine. But that's not the same as knowing that what you're going to do is fine. And then he's like, oh, hey, girl, I'm going to show you some beautiful islands, more beautiful than Vestra ever showed you. And, like, she forgets and it's fine. So... Just TLDR, I hate Kenneth, and if you're a Kenneth fan, I don't even want you to email me about it, so that's just that's going to be. <laughs> you shut up. In the end, Kenneth gathers up Ankle, some married freed slaves that have a decent work ethic, and the extreme need to leave the ship before they have their baby. Saw to fuck Adar, saying, if you want justice done to Kyle, follow me. And so now I'm kind of, like, interested, actually. So off Kenneth goes, he gathers Ky- to get Kyle, and, like, all this shit is happening in a boat. And I feel like there's no way people didn't know that this is happening, but like, whatever, it's the, it's the dead of night when Tro is sleeping because he did some chores and Etta was told to go the fuck to sleep. So fine. Kyle asks if Kenneth is going to kill him and Kenneth says, nope. So fast forward, Kenneth takes them all out from where they're anchored towards an island. It's called Keyhole Island. And then later on, he just calls it Key Island. So I guess it's interchangeable. 
It has kind of like a natural <laughs> protection because it's like a closed horseshoe with a large island and a small island in the middle. And he then proceeds to have Kyle dragged to, oh, his mom's house. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Kenneth has a mom. And Kenneth's mom has no tongue. So, because who needs a talking mom? And she lives alone <laughs> on this island in what remains of a very small village that's near a large burnt old mansion. And I'm like thinking Adam's family shit. And in the mansion is where Kenneth keeps all his spoils. So, here he is to dump some more a priest for his religious mommy, a husband and a wife to help with the chores, and ankle to help his mom out because she's old. And Kyle gets shoved into the wine cellar of the big house. And isn't this all so nice? <laughs> so Kenneth declares all of these things and inspects the house with scarcely an emotion though it's apparent that something horrible happened here and that the emotions he has from being a child on this island and whatever happened when Egrot discovered it are key to who Kenneth is now to his dreams his dream to be a pirate king and like what his father was telling him and how he decorated the house and everything his desires even his taste in clothing so they chain Kyle up in the cellar uh, and they say, he says to him, my dear captain, not all of life is about profit. Sometimes it is about convenience. This is convenient for me. And then he has tea with his mom and then Kenneth decides to leave. <laughs> so it's been a very productive, you know, evening. <laughs> so he said that he would not kill Kyle, but he would make him no longer a problem for Wintro. So bam, done. Off he goes. Sorry, mom. And Sa'adar is like, wait, no, I will not be marooned here. I'm going back with you. And Kenneth is like, well, fine, you can row. So first, Sa'adar goes to do some pre-shit on the island. And Kenneth starts the walk to the beach. And it, like, tires him out greatly because of the sand and the peg leg. But he gets <laughs> to the boat. And he has some paranoid thoughts about, like, betrayal and reminds himself that a live ship can't be stolen. The heart of a live ship is true. And Igrat had proven that. And I'm kind of like, wait, what does that mean? So meanwhile... Sa'adar shows up and he's like, cool, I guess I'll help you row this boat. And then Kenneth forces Sa'adar to push the boat out since he himself is tired. And then he has Sa'adar row them to the Vivacia. And eventually, when they get close, he's like, well, I'll have my turn, even though he is really tired and he keeps thinking about how tired he is. And then so he gets Sa'adar to like help him up so that they can switch places for rowing. But during that, Kenneth uses that moment to <laughs> shove Sa'adar overboard. And Sa'adar doesn't go down without a fight, but Kenneth is not a patient man. He's like, all you had to do was what I wanted you to do. You refused me, so die. And thus ends Sa'adar. And honestly, I'm not even mad. And Kenneth's charm... He chimes in later and he's like, what would she think of her captain bold if she knew you as well as I do? Because now he's a fucking murderer, but we knew that already. Uh, and then he also says, I was never created for any duty to you, nor does my life depend upon yours. But for the sake of another, I will do what I can to preserve you, at least for a time. So TLDR, Kenneth is a psycho and he locked Kyle up in a wine cellar on a secret island and killed Sa'adar because they are no <laughs> longer convenient and he wanted to make Wintrow happy. The end. So I have so Sawadar, I get his function as a character to lead this sort of like rebellion to free the slaves. But then it seems like he sticks around with no purpose Not whatsoever. And then all of a sudden his storyline is just like chopped off. And I it seems it seems <laughs> literally right. right. It, it just seems weird to me that, like, why didn't he just die, like, in the initial battle? Like, he, I feel like he just hasn't really served much of a purpose for him to have stuck around for so long and then just have him be murdered. To vex Kenneth. 
They're there to die later. Was that was that Kenneth talking or was that Robin Hobb? Like, I needed something convenient, and this was right. convenient. <laughs> it was <Maybe>. both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Some are nice. So, so how um, do we feel about the secret pirate island with Kenneth's mom and? I love His that he's just like, gone. you know, I thought it was bad that she had her tongue out cut out because it was gross, but then it was really convenient that I could oh, just yeah, steer the conversation exactly anywhere I wanted to go. Yeah. I just have it be done. How many of you, upon reading that she had her con- <laughs> tongue cut out, tried to talk as if you didn't have a tongue anymore to see how many sounds you could still form? I did not. No. Just me? I appreciate it. Okay, I I didn't physically try that, but I was like, there is zero percent chance like an intelligent person couldn't figure out a very clear way to communicate. And yeah. so, if Kenneth has chosen to not be able to actually communicate with his mom, then it's because he's a fucking dickbag who lacks empathy. Yeah. Because it wouldn't be that hard. <laughs> you don't need well, yeah. specific words. Well, he also stranded her on an island alone. <laughs> So, I don't <laughs> well, know. Well, it seemed like it was where he had grown up, so where she was already living, he just sort of left her there while he went and had a life. This seems like a very, and, very right. convenient place for a pirate king. Like, it's just, like, so... It's it's <laughs> so convenient. It's, like, secret island that's not really an island. It's, like, a shield for another island. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know what he should bring her instead of teacups, though? Another fucking chair. (laughs) (laughs) I love when he's just like, I took the only chair. Oh, man. I didn't even notice that. (laughs) Yeah, they like stand. She invites them to the table to eat, and she's just like, stand there. You'll just stand and eat because there's no chairs. Right, where did all the chairs in this mansion go? She doesn't <laughs> took the she chairs. She doesn't go in the mansion. Well, she doesn't want to go yeah, to the she mansion. Doesn't go she's in traumatized. There. It, he made it sound like he had a whole room full of pirate booty to fill up the big house. So he's got more chairs. Oh, yeah. He started, starting on the second floor, there was enough stuff to fill up yeah. the whole place. So there's chairs to be had. But yeah. she's too traumatized to go in there, and he's too lazy. Yeah, like he doesn't bring it down for her, and that's it. So maybe now that there are other people on the island, she can get chairs. They'll they'll hand carve chairs out of trees because <laughs> nobody's going to that fucking house. Yeah, they're gonna be like, I'm not taking shit in there because Kenneth will murder me. Also, yeah. now Kenneth strikes me as similar to. I'm seeing like his. What he wants is like has been encoded to him in him from like a young age. He's trying to like get this yeah. this idealized goal of having this this perfect little island that he has back the way it's supposed to be, and he's supposed to be the king because dad told him he was. Um, well, I mean, our parents tell us we're going to be all sorts of things yeah. when we get older, but that I mean, like. <laughs> You're a princess. Yeah. You don't get to actually be a princess. It doesn't mean you murder everybody right? so you can become a princess. <laughs> People I saw in grad school who didn't want to be there, but they were supposed to be because everyone else in their family had a doctorate degree. That's kind of what it reminds me of. I don't know. I think he wants to be there, so though. Kind of just yeah, trying he's trying so hard to get it. He... 
<laughs> his PhD in pirating, just to fulfill a promise. Well, what do we th- What do we father. think happened? Here? I think that Egrot got Paragon. I think that for sure. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because we. Yeah, that's my assumption as well. I don't. I'm. I'm not entirely then, sure how he's. How what happened be- between him and Kenneth? But I'm pretty sure that he got Paragon. At least for a little bit. Which is why he's so. I assume that Kenneth's been on Paragon, which is why he's so. Yeah. Ma- yeah. Yeah. Perhaps. I agree with that. Or. And why he knows anything about them. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, from the way uh, a lot of the, um, like, old trader families in Bingtown sort of operate, it's like, you, it's like you don't talk about live ships with people who don't know them. Like, if you're not a trader family that has a live ship, you don't talk about, really, like, what they are or what they do. The first rule of live ship club is that it was... Exactly. <laughs> But wh- who who were his parents? Like, why why is there like a random like holding on this on Key Island? Like, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean that's what we don't know. Yeah, obviously some some people of means and wealth. So was it like? I mean, there's two. There's a couple theories. Uh, either you know, younger son of a rich family just wanted in the state somewhere and that was uh, maybe like a could be used as a way station uh, for merchant shipping routes or Kenneth's mother was somebody's mistress and like he gave her a mansion on his little island that he could stop in at Um, well we we know for sure that prior to the Bingtown settlement this whole cursed shore area was like I mean people were exiled there it's not like a desirable vacation spot <laughs> so so he they, time shares well no one obviously yeah. no one knows it exists right like it's everyone like, that knows it exists yeah. doesn't yeah, appear to be like alive anymore island <laughs> in the misty pirate isles that no one wants to be in on the cursed shore that no one wants to be on you know what i mean like it's they just sort of yeah. ended up there but then made the best of it it sounds like they were Sounds like they were maybe somewhat wealthy exiles from Jamalia. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But whatever they were, it seems like Egrot came there. Fucked them up. I mean, how did their house burn down? Yeah. I mean, I have a theory that Kenneth's a Ludluck. Um, and That's my that theory. That Ingrid was holding him essentially the way Win- he's holding Wintrow because there has to be a member of the family. That is um, ex- but extremely interesting. Man. Yes, you're so Very astute. <laughs> Very, all the time. I I don't know if you're correct, but I think that that is that's super astute. Regardless. I yeah, I want you to be correct. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then he and Althea could just switch ships and it'll be perfect. Yeah, Everything Tracy's. will be okay again. <laughs> Do we really want Kenneth to have the Paragon? <laughs> I mean, if it's his no, right, Paragon then... deserves better. Would he be able to flirt with I Paragon think that... the way he flirts with I mean, oh, Paragon wow. does not have titties <laughs> flapping in the wind, so I don't know if it's I really think... going to work out, but... 
I mean, he was talking about how beautiful Winter was too. So exactly. I think Kenneth could uh, be persuaded by Paragon's manly Kenneth charm. I think Kenneth has the like the bipolarness that Paragon has a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Would they be in sync with their mood swings though? Yeah. That that's either. Mm, that's a match made in heaven or a match made yeah. in hell because you, either you're yeah. like on the same swings yeah. or you're yeah. opposite and like you know yeah Alyssa and I are just watching this happen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, does I, anybody I feel that to be dangerous I'm sorry <laughs> it's like you can see me <laughs> changing topics a smidge but does anybody feel badly at all for Kyle Yes, actually, no issue. I tried. I tried to for a little bit. I tried to. Why? (laughs) Only because like isolation is actually one of the most like the worst forms of psychological torture you can put a human. I feel like they should have just killed him as opposed, but like he, you know, had to live by. I feel like they're like I don't know if like giving ankle like oh feed and water him once in a while like he could still die. (laughs) Like yeah, he's stuck in a hole in the ground. But that's one of those things. Well, I told he did tell them not to kill him. Yeah. I don't look forward to seeing Skeleton Kyle in, <laughs> in a few chapters. When he's like, when awesome. like are cool. please go get my dad back. This is not what I meant. He's like, sure. And he's like, oh, damn. Well. Yeah. <laughs> How inconvenient he died. How inconvenient. That was, uh, I didn't do that, though. That was him. <laughs> yeah, he just didn't he chose it. Enough, he chose so. that. He chose it. <laughs> He could do what I wanted, which was stay alive, or he could die. <laughs> Obviously, he chose to die. <laughs> Kenneth logic is just a lot. It's great. It's kind of amazing. Sound he's kind of, logic. He's kind of the Dennis of this. He is. He's Dennis. <laughs> just do what I tell you to do. Uh, he's a fun star man. <laughs> Okay, okay. Uh, Can we move on to chapter 18? I want to keep us moving. Chapter 18, Wishes Fulfilled. So, Kenneth's famished, and he's just trying to enjoy a nice meal of carrot and fish soup when Wintrow demands to know what has become of his asshole father. Kenneth lets him know that he's merely done what Wintrow wanted. He placed his father somewhere else. Bye, Kyle! (laughs) Kenneth assures him that he's kept to his promise. Kyle is safe. Now, granted, he's in a wine cellar with no wine, which really does seem very, very cruel, but he's technically (laughs) safe. Wintro tries to renege on his wishes, saying, I didn't mean it, please. I'll take care of my puppy, I swear, but it's too late. And really, you know, Kenneth did go to a lot of trouble. He was gimping about on a crutch. And have you ever tried to use crutches without proper padding? Because it is actually very horrible and very painful. And if you think that walking on a lawn and heels is bad, try peg-lugging across the sand. It's not easy. He went through a lot of effort to do this for him, and he should be appreciative. So Wintrow asks about the blood that he saw when Kenneth got back, and Kenneth says that it was Sadar's. And he asks about he asks about poor dumb ankle, and she's fine too. And he's just like, damn it, just let me eat my fucking soup, man. I just want to have my nice dinner. So Wintrow gets all pissy, saying that, Kenneth shouldn't kill on his behalf because he somehow warped it into Kenneth is killing for him. Even I mean, that's like kind of selfish of him, but whatever. So he's saying like, 
you shouldn't kill on my behalf because saw gives life and all lives have purpose and we must all learn to tolerate even the asshole Kyles of the world and no life is more important than any other life and blah, blah, blah. And Kenneth is like, oh, but that's because you're not destined to be a king. Boom. So, which apparently that just gives Kenneth a hall pass to kill as he pleases. So, um, Kenneth closes the argument with the real zinger, though, and he says, meditate on this priest. Perhaps I am one of those you must learn to tolerate until I can fulfill Saw's purpose. So, Kenneth, like, really believes that he is <laughs> somebody. Uh, <laughs> Wintero picks a fight with Vivacia for not waking him when his dad and ankle were taken, and she basically says to him, like, sorry, not sorry, your dad sucked and I'm glad he's gone. And the winter acts like a little shit and asks if Vivacia still needs him because he wants to peace out again, which is fucking rude. And she makes it clear that she still needs him around and then he gets all bummed. And she says he's acting like a jealous boob and that he should really <laughs> just try to get on Team Kenneth because he's totally rad and really he did Wintro such a solid by not slaughtering his dad for the crowds. And Vivacia continues to try to paint Kenneth as a hero good doer and Wintro argues her points. And then she confesses that Kenneth has actually asked her to go to pirate prom and she intends to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's game time for Althea. She and the coven are headed to the council meeting and much to Malta's dismay, they're riding with old Devad in his carriage. And he has gravy stains on his tie and he eats these jelly candies and he's really just so gross and like, He's so gross. Oh, gosh, I just hit my mic. He's really, I'm too, flailing my hands because he's so gross. He's really gross. <laughs> so to bide their time, Althea asks for the latest town gossip, and Devad spills the beans that the Satrap is coming to Bingtown, and it's like, oh, shit. So then they arrive at the meeting, and Greg is waiting for Althea, and Greg is not pleased that she arrived with he who is gross. And apologizes for not sending a carriage to pick up their coven. And she's all, he's a family friend. Get over it. It's fine. Greg mentions how much Ophelia misses Althea. And then Greg pulls a real Greg and joking, not joking, says that she could come along for their next trip if it was their bridal voyage. And hey, let's get married. And um, I died. Like, I truly just like cringy embarrassment died for him when he did that. I'm like, God, why does, why is he so horrible at all this? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Althea just ignores him completely. Um, (laughs) Then she spots Brashen and almost loses her chill. So then they head inside, but like really casually head inside because everything was very chill. Except Althea is sitting with Greg and his family. So like everyone knows that they're for sure going to get married now. She's got to do something wild now. Right? (laughs) So the meeting starts and they begin with some petty shit to put off getting to all the juice. And finally it's Tanira's turn. And he who is gross has a friend who tries to say that this isn't even a council matter. That they shouldn't even be talking about all this. And Tanira argues it and blah blah. Then the the council disagrees on whether they should even hear the matter. And they go to their chamber. And then arguments start breaking out in the crowd, and Althea decides this is her great time to make her case, so she tells everybody to shut the fuck up and listen. Bingtown is starting to suck big time, and her ship is stolen, and it's all going to hell, so let's start a rebellion. And before the jury Springer bouncers can come to cart her off, she makes an oopsies (laughs) and says that Vivacia is her rightful ship, which triggers Kefria. So anyways, Althea gets kicked out. And people are leaving, and they're arguing, and it's kind of crazy and whatever. And she just goes out to wait at the carriage of Devad. And she gets up to the carriage, and holy shit, there's a bloody dead baby pig in there, and it's pooped itself. 
And <laughs> the meeting lets out and people start to see it. And Devad is mortified. And Greg says he'll get the coven a carriage home. And Althea won't abandon their family friend, though. And even though it's shitty and, you know, the, his friend, he sucks so badly. Even his shitty fucking friend abandons him when he sees all the shit, the pig and blood and everything. <laughs> so, like, his little friend from the meeting is like, nah, I'm out of here, dude. Like, peace, whatever. And Althea just won't abandon him. She says that, you know, he's been a friend for a long time. She's not going to leave him alone. So Greg takes her family and Althea gets old gross pants into the carriage. He's so fat, he can't even get up to like the little driver's bench. So he actually has to go into the shitty blood covered carriage. I'm like, wouldn't you have just fought for your life? Isn't that that moment where you would have like, I've never done this before, but I'm fucking doing it today. I'm going to get up on that bench. He's such a sad sack. He's like, no, I'll just go in the bloody shit covered carriage. And she just gets up on that little perch and she's like, you know what? Chin up, tits up, bitches. Let's do this. And she drives that asshole home. (laughs) So the whole time I'm thinking like, I don't know. I mean, they're really being tested, right? Like everyone's like, why are you friends with this asshole? Like he opposes you in council. Like, Every it's like you guys are voting against each other. You know you're definitely on two different sides of the political spectrum. But then you guys go have dinner at night, and it's it's kind of weird that it's they super won't weird. address that. I don't know. I'm always one of those people where like I'm not going to be friends with somebody just to like keep the waters calm. Like if I feel like somebody is not a good person, I'm not going to be their friend. I'm not going to like hang out with them i'm not going to talk to them and if it stirs the water then whatever but i just i think it's an integrity thing and i'm just really shocked that they won't let him go because he's really not serving them any purpose outside of the fact that she keeps saying he's an old family friend well i think it's pity they're friends with him out of pity but that's not a real reason yeah yeah well they're it's like this um it's it's either pity or misplaced loyalty like that, oh, because, you know, he's been our friend for a long time and he, you know, stood by and supported us, the blah, 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 you know, this other time or something that we, you know, owe him, you know, like some duty or loyalty or continuing like goodwill or something. Yeah. But and I would get that, though, except for he has no loyalty for his well, people they, because I he's turning against all of them. With he's, the he's like honorary uncle at this point, right? Yeah. Like yeah. they... Yeah. They call him Uncle. They call him Uncle Devad. Like he's he's part yeah, of the family. Messy, like... Yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah, gonna say uncle, but like, I don't know. <laughs> you gotta trim the fat. Like, Time to reevaluate. Exactly. Well, yeah, he has no real friends. His house is empty. He has his wife died. His children died. Like, it's. It's like, oh, well, if we're not friends with him, then he just sits in his house alone. And it's kind of like, yeah, okay, but does he deserve you as friends? Like, right. Like, he won't listen and to you yeah. and there should prioritize be... your opinions. Yeah, and there should be some level, uh, there should be some level of preservation because they know that he's being manipulative. They know that he's siding with new traders and look what he did during the actual council meeting of sitting with that little shit stirrer friend of his. So it's like, at what Mm -hmm. point, like, why would he deserve your loyalty? That's insane to me. Time to take a page out of Kenneth's book. If he's not going to do what you want him to do, then he can just die in his house alone. Get him out of here. He doesn't even have a book. Just throw him in the water. I actually think in in some ways, 
um, this is the first time that they're, the Vestrits as a family are having to face who he has become socially and politically. Mm-hmm. Because before it was like they were just really insular and they were focused on their own shit. And he came sure. to dinner sometimes and said awkward stuff, but like no, no biggie, whatever. Like they weren't like it didn't matter. But like they've become so socially isolated that they don't. Like they, I don't know if they quite understood who he had become in the community and what it says yeah. about them if they still associate with him. Yeah, and I think that's maybe being brought home to them right now. Yeah, and Althea is so stubborn. It's like that whole aspect of it too, of her just being like, "No, I'm not going to leave him here because you want me to." It's but their, I'm not um, a person, so I'm like, not going yeah, to do what you tell me to. I'm going to do what I want to do. Conservative values is keeping their friendship alive, I guess. But it almost, if you get to the next couple sections, it almost feels like like the, the fate of the, the fantasy is what's keeping this together. It's there, it's... Is it the final fantasy? <laughs> 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 or is it the final countdown? I, um, is anyone surprised that they're immediately like, oh, we can't do anything. We have to dither forever. I mean, that's whatever. What, the council? <laughs> no. The council. That's, it's just like, just the council. Uh, that is the it. most realistic thing like, in these books. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, ever, have you ever been to a city council meeting? You don't believe this shit. <laughs> I mean, the council meeting was, you know, pretty much, um, I don't, I don't want to say like a, a front or a show at least, but I mean, the, the Teneras don't seem like totally unastute politically. So it's more like basically a way to gauge the actual climate. Like, is there any political will to this trader council anymore? Or do those of us who want to do something have to do it on our own, basically? Right. Mm-hmm. How do you think about Wintro and his, I mean, I think Wintro is starting to feel, every time he feels trapped, like he's doing something against his will, he freaks out. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It's very much like Althea. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like the same as mm. all of these being town people. Yeah. It, this, the, all of this reminds me of when my cats are confronted with any difficulties whatsoever. They're just <laughs> wait for it. Which they they fall up and then run away. Okay. More deep thoughts. More deep. More deep, More deep thoughts. thoughts from the Did it die an egg? We don't know. We'll never know. I'm busy uh, mourning the pig. Uh, what are our thoughts on carrot fish soup? I'd eat it. Sounds good. Yeah. I'd eat it. I'd eat it. I would. I would eat it. I've, I haven't had any good fish in fish. like We're gonna go ages. With the white fish, yeah. Indiana doesn't have. <laughs> You're in the Indiana wrong place. You don't fish. live near fish. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't really be buying a lot of fish there either. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, then let's do chapter nineteen. Aftermath. Um, so Uber driver Althea drops Devad off at his destination, only his carriage is still absolutely useless and the door is stuck. 
Um, not that he's even trying to get out because he's also absolutely useless and is just huddled in the corner. <laughs> so Althea pries the door open. Bad. And then <laughs> and then takes all of his servants to task, aka slaves, uh, for not being there to serve their master properly. Um, Tavad asks how he can pay her for her services and she asks for the stable boy's freedom. He, of course, thinks that price is way too high and is very woe is me about all of it. She scolds him about it and finally realizes that he really is a terrible person, like everyone says. In the end, he agrees to her price so Althea gets to adopt a six-dutchy slave boy. Um, (laughs) So, back at the Vestrit estate, Kefria is musing over a portrait of Kyle and how much he sucks. But she wants him back anyway, but only so she can demand respect from him that she should have a long time ago. Uh, and she doesn't want to miss out on that opportunity. So then she's making her rounds and checking in on her sleeping children, um, making sure we know that Selden exists again. And then suddenly, a a wild Brashen in withdrawal appears at her door with that bead merchant because they just they're never like okay with it. We're showing up. She's an outsider, um, and apparently they've got an idea of how to get get the Vivacia back. And Caffrey is not thrilled that they showed up at such a late hour, but Veronica is like anything that will help us, so she she invites them in. And then uh, soon Althea and her successful slave boy shows up to join the party. Uh, it's about this time we learn that in the eyes of the sophisticated citizens of Bingtown, the six Duchies folk really are viewed as the backwater <laughs> of the world as much as they've claimed, at least according to the way this kid's accent is. This accent is <laughs> out of control. It's currently out of control. Oh my god, <laughs> Oh, so it's that bad in the books, too? It's, like, crazy. Oh, it's, like, it's crazy. Crazy. Oh, yeah. It's, like, it's phonetic out in dialect. It's so bad. Oh. I'm so, glad. Hello. I'm so glad. Yeah. Kevin picked it. Anyway. You gotta pick a bop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So anyway, everybody's worried about the fact that Althea is now a self-employed Uber driver and her Bingtown Society outcasts, and... They also really think she needs a bath, or a bath, as <laughs> yeah. the small sister's yeah. friend explains. Um, it's fine, though. She's quick. And then she returns to find out what Brashen and Amber have planned while the newly freed slave boy takes advantage of the snacks. Um, so Bra- Amber and Brashen want to buy Paragon and refit him and sail him with a new crew to retrieve Vivacia and hopefully Kyle and Winter as well. Amber says she wants Brashen to be the captain, and Althea is outraged. I mean, she's got misgivings about the whole thing, but Brashen as captain instead of her? Oh, no. And so she, accused, she also accuses him of being on Sindin in there, and he's like, oh, no, I'm going cold turkey because I'm out of money, so that's why I'm feverish shaking this. <laughs> um, anyway, Althea needs to think about all of this more, so Whoa. Brashen tries to make his quick exit, but Malta has other ideas. Malta, normally a hater of math, needs to talk about math. The numbers, Brashen, tell her about the numbers. And everyone is shocked that Malta is being, like, intelligent and pragmatic for once, so they indulge her, and Brashen goes through his list of needs and expenses. Basically, the number comes down to a lot. So Malta announces that she's going to accept Rain's suit and so that they can be rich again, and everyone is shocked again and hesitant to let her make such a decision, although they are impressed that she's willing to. Um, Althea also offers the help of the Teneurs as another option, but oh yeah, there's actually been a riot down at the tariff docks, and Greg's been arrested for a bit anyway. 
and the Chalcedian galleys have been sunk. <laughs> Brashen also takes this opportunity to criticize Greg for letting Althea drive to Vod home, because if he had been there, well, it would have been a different story. And then Althea screams about not needing anybody's help. But is <laughs> like, hold up, I need help. So they all agree to give this insane plan a try and hand out assignments, including our six duchies boy who submits his resume for a ship's boy and Yay. basically forces them to take him on. Who doesn't want to hear more of that? <laughs> I, I, I do, I do, I want to. <laughs> he even gets to go off with the suddenly very tired Brashen as they all part ways. Yes. Do you remember how we said that the ship needed, like, a parrot or something? Well, now we, <laughs> we have something better. <laughs> oh, this kid. You need a Come bot. Come shit. <laughs> like, ah, is this how he If Fitz showed up right now, would he talk like that to uh. them? I bet, I love you, touch her. She's covered in pig shit, and she's like, oh, there's, don't worry about that. He's not gonna touch me. He's not gonna get anywhere near me. The way it's spelled out, though, so he says, nothing stinks worse than pig shit. Don't let her get it on her. This is back to like when she would just occasionally write things with an accent in the other yeah. trilogy. In the first, it's like really, it's like <laughs> twice every twenty-three chapters. She just like throw it in there. I mean, I know this time it's to be like he ain't from here, but still. I took it as people from the six duchies are like country bumpkins. They're trash. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're trash. <laughs> they don't have fucking windows. I ain't got nothing but my own skin. Backwater barbarian hits. I just yeah. I like that Amber is there in the corner and they're all like, let's just get a slave crew. And then Amber's like, remember, <laughs> no. slavery is wrong. <laughs> slavery? <laughs> I love when Althea's like, I don't need your fucking help. And they're like, you literally asked for help at the council meeting. You made an announcement to hundreds of people asking for help. Like, you don't want Brash himself because you're in love with him. It's it's amazing to me that they, like, they know that Vivacia being used as a slaver was, like, the downfall of them. And they're immediately like, yeah, what? That's the cheapest way to do this is we just hire a bunch of slaves. That's how. (laughs) Look, it's. To take on a we all know that Amazon treats their employees like ship, but we're still getting our ship from fucking Amazon, so. <laughs> Amber's not. Amber is not. <laughs> Amber's carving it herself. She needs a new mouse for her computer. She's carving it. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> she has integrity. I just like how they're like, so um, our whole plan hinges on uh, the Paragon. Yeah. That's it's, fine. It's fine. <laughs> and Althea's like, this is a terrible idea. What are you doing? <laughs> but also, Brashen's not allowed to be captain. <laughs> She's like, I'm going. And they're like, you're not going. She's like, no, I'm going. And I'm going to be important in par- uh, like a part of this. And You guys, there are parts of this kid's... I don't even know what he's trying to say in this line. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Right, the boy asserted cockily. L can't respect a man who don't dare dare tech me. Yaunt regret. It's like Nell. <laughs> Day in the wind. <laughs> I did appreciate getting an L mention again, though. That was... 
Oh yeah, yeah. Shout true, out yeah. to L. I know we haven't heard from them in a while. We got a new god he's, on the line. He's saying you got to be daring. <laughs> he's, he's not going to respect someone who's a, like a pansy. He's got to got to have a daring. I'd be in the corner. I'm like with Ronica in this. I'd be in the corner like, someone please translate what the small dirty boy is saying to me. (laughs) I was really proud of Malta in this chapter, though, for just cutting through the drama. Math. Numbers. Like Mary Jane Blatch says, no more drama. And she's just like, you know what? We need to just stick to problem number one. Shut the fuck up, Althea. You're being a turd. But also, like, Malta had already kind of decided that she was going to say yes to Rain. So I feel like a lot of this was just so she didn't have to, like, talk to her family about her emotions and just martyr herself up for, like, extra I'm not mad at that, though. To be be fair to her family, Malta, most of what she says is either trying to manipulate people for drama because she's bored or it's about boys. Like, (laughs) like, she's, she's... yeah, she's she's focused on the task at hand right now, and everyone is like, "What the fuck? This is this is new. This is interesting." <laughs> we like we. Yeah, I liked the end of the chapter because Kefria was like, "That's the first time she's been civil to her grandmother." Wow, it's like one Parenting. sentence. She said one sentence, and I'm like, "Wow, that was really yeah. nice." You're cured. <laughs> <laughs> Like she did math, she was willing to marry the the warty Rainwilder, and she was nice to her grandma for one sentence. She's a changed she, person. Now she's gonna be like Rain, give me all your money so that I can take this crazy ship and sail. Malta is so smart and just so clouded by her horny thoughts. Just just, just <laughs> and her need for presence. So horny. <laughs> I mean, who wasn't at that age? I know, yeah. I I can't be mad at her about that. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I was I was I was super impressed with her too, and just as a as a follow up to the rain chapter, it was like, oh yeah, here's a here's a glimpse of what he like had picked up on that she has in her if if she just has a reason to get that like coming out. Right. I just still can't get over the six duchies accent. I mean, that is just... <laughs> I know you texted me about that when you got I know. <laughs> and I didn't understand. And then I got here and I was like, wow. She's covered in pig shit. Just imagine everything that Pitt says in terms of that. Well, okay. So Pitt's come up in a castle, at least. He's got to have a little bit better of an accent. Well, I feel I mean, like not she's... to spoil things too much, but you know, like in the last trilogy, he comes in contact with people from Bingtown, and he doesn't speak like. That. <laughs> <laughs> Eli, would it be a pain to play a clip? Yeah, please. Can you please yeah. find what, a clip and play what, a something? I what, tell you what page what, it's what on, but you no. Know, what chapter are we? Nineteen. Nineteen. Okay, let me. I gotta go find it. That's right. It can't respect a man who don't dare. Dead tick me. Yon't regret it. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> is he fucking channeling Malta? Oh, Hell can't respect a man who daren't take me. Take me, Brashen. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> You're covered in pig shit. <laughs> covered in pig shit. I'll go. I'll sail with you. 
God. Don't let her touch you. I fished with my da before the slave raiders came. <laughs> On their way around ships. I'd rather do that and shovel hoss shit. Hoss is stinking. <laughs> Nothing stinks or some pig shit. Don't let her get it on your... <laughs> I'm going to no, embroider that on a pillow. I literally can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get, let's get Alyssa to do her chapter before she gets in trouble with from her roommate. Oh, God. You don't have much time. <laughs> Should I just go? Yeah. Just go. Yes. Chapter 20 is called Piracy. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Chapter 20 is called Piracy. Vivacia is on the chase of her first ship, and she's so excited that she goes, caw, like a bird. (laughs) She's sailing faster than ever before to gain on the crosspatch, a ship whose captain bragged once about no pirate dissuading him from the slave trade. Wow, what a noble stand-up man. Um... (laughs) Vivacia reveals that she can't know how can it actually feels deep down inside, but she could feel his, uh, quote, lust of the hunt that's filthy and, like me, Wintrow's feeling sick. <laughs> he had tried to explain to Kenneth that no one could die aboard Vivacia, but he wasn't sure if he was going to listen to him. And anyway, oop, they caught up to the cross patch, and Kenneth keeps Vivacia back from the action, but he's narrating to her what's going on, and she's really into it. Wintrow's like, oh my god, people are dying? And Kenneth is like, hell yeah, they are. People die all the time. And that makes what I'm doing right. They have an argument that I only half paid attention to about the nature of good and evil. During this, they capture the ship and they raise their raven flag on it without even one avast. And I guess the buccaneer talk is over. R.I.P. Rest in Pirate. Althea is running through the woods, meanwhile, to meet Brashen and Amber at the end of the Prancing Paragon. <laughs> she hears a little playful music on the beach and is like, oh, cool, children do that in public now. Until she gets there to see that Paragon has some big old pan pipes that Amber made for him and sees how much that he's changed thanks to Amber's influence with him. As she gets closer, she's like, wow, he was always ugly with his face all chopped up, but now he's ugly and boyish. He looks so happy. Time to disappoint him. Amber had been making him all fresh and clean inside, but she also cut a trap door in the stateroom as like a shortcut. And Brashen and Althea are like, what the fuck, Amber? I love how upset they were about that. I'm upset too. What? What? So Althea <laughs> greets Paragon, and then the seagull starts screaming. And look who's coming down the beach. It's Amos Ludluck, Ronica, and Devad. We learn that Ronica pried Devad's lies out, and he admitted that he knew all about the bargains for Paragon in front of Althea, and Althea names him a traitor Joe also. So the three of them are early and Amber's like, oh shit, I guess it's time. And they go outside and Paragon is making fart noises with his pipe. And even Brashen is like, ha ha, a fart. (laughs) (laughs) So Amber says, okay, listen, the Vivacia has been captured by pirates. We got to go get her. And Paragon says, yeah, you better go get her. Pirates are awful. (laughs) So when are we and the Ludlucks leaving? 
<laughs> Record scratch. He is not having talk of sailing with a Ludluck, and he raves more about wishing to die, and then he just screams. <laughs> Amos Ludluck is like, you know what? Fuck this, and starts to run away. But Ronica brings her back. Is it Amos or Amos? I say Amos. Amos. Amos is Am- what the uh, the audiobook says. Okay, we'll see. Amos approaches and talks to Paragon and pretty much makes everything worse, demanding to know why he killed all the men in their family. Devad says one word and Amber says, shut up and go away. Here's everything I have in exchange for Paragon and throws the key to her shop at him, um, which Bravo. is comically large, apparently. <laughs> Paragon retreats inside himself at this point and goes still and refuses to respond to anybody, especially the little boy with the terrible accent. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Kenneth is rubbing his hands together, oh boy, oh boy, because not only did he have the spicy victory of a ship, but he got to impress Wintrow at the same time. Sorkor goes over who has wounds with Kenneth and... Opal got his face hurt real bad. Kenneth says, I know this great doctor. He's like 12 and he fixed my leg. Let me get you a referral. And he leaves Wintro to, <laughs> and he leaves to give Wintro a tour of the booty, the ship booty, not the creepy booty. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Aboard the ship, there were three slave women who don't want to be freed because they're artists. And Edda's giving them a tough time, but Kenneth says, okay, we'll ransom you so you can be slaves forever if that's what you want. See, Wintro, I'm great. Don't you want to captain a ship like me? <laughs> Wintro says, do you even know me? I'm stuck on Vivacia because of blood. Kenneth promises he'll think of something to make them all happy. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Well, Wintro... <laughs> Spoilers, he sure does. <laughs> While Wintro stitches up Opal's face, Etta is sewing a very fancy skirt and convinces herself that she's not jealous of a ship. But oh, she is. Etta goes to find Kenneth, runs into Wintro, and they have a completely civil conversation for once now that Etta has someone new to be jealous of. Etta goes up to Kenneth, who's talking to Vivacia about doing cool pirate stuff. Vivacia's still a little apprehensive and says she isn't ready. Kenneth says, oh, that's all right. Hello, Etta, the nearest person who is ready for something. Let's go to bed. And Vivacia calls after them kind of pathetically and says she'll be ready to do pirate stuff someday. <laughs> Kenneth and Etta go back to the stateroom, and he spends a lot of time pleasuring her. Why did I learn how to read? <laughs> He asks, after all that, if her belly button wizard wood piercing comes off and said, you know, I might want you to have a child. If I wanted you to have a baby, you'd do that for me, wouldn't you? That's such specific phrasing right there. She's completely moved by it. In the middle of the night, Wintro comes to the door and says that Opal just died, and Kenneth assures him and says, oh, it's not your fault, it's okay, and dismisses him. And he's like, oh, my back hurts. Who knew that women like sex this much or at all? Exhausting. Rude that it wasn't all about him. But we discover through Kenneth's conversation with his charm that Kenneth wants to mush win- his Wintro doll and his Edda doll together <laughs> to make a child of Vestrit blood that could keep Vivacia happy and sane. The charm is disgusted by him and defends Edda and says that maybe he could persuade Wintro to kill him and Kenneth chuckles himself to sleep. <laughs> so fucked. It's all so fucked. <laughs> it's so bad. 
Love it. <laughs> Love to have picked this job. <laughs> it's um, a lot of chicken. You got all the pirate action. You got the pirate action. Yeah. yeah. Let's just like just let's just acknowledge that that's going to happen or is happening or that's the plan and move beyond it and talk about <laughs> talk about just this whole like paragon? paragon scene, which is kind of delightful because we finally have like all most of our characters gathered around the you know the leadership, yeah. and it's kind of like a party. It's kind of like. Yeah, party where you shit all over somebody. It's great. (laughs) There is an interesting parallel from the last chapter where Malta has the piece of paper in her hand and everyone's like, she's going to rip that up and crumple it up and she doesn't. And then Paragon has the pipes and everyone's like, he's going to break them, but he gently puts them down. I thought that was interesting that both those characters did that. Hmm. Look at that nice analysis. I would have broken them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, everyone's got to be on the same page, I guess, for this plan to work. I was really confused at what they thought Amos was going to do as opposed to what Amos did do. Because they all talk about how she's like a heinous fucking bitch and then she comes out there and just like... (laughs) Annihilates poor <laughs> Paragon. Like, what did we think was going to happen? They've only put him on the beach for thirty years. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, like, there's a lot of. Uh, well, I think they wanted to, they wanted Paragon to know that they weren't stealing him. Yeah, I guess. And to know that he's not loved, but he's just being sold. Yeah. Which is better. Like, see, nobody in your family wants to be on you, so you're just going to have to deal with them not being there. I guess it's a... Found family is better. I agree. Sometimes. I guess it's it's important for us to see that. But yeah, it was kind of weird that it was like, oh, here's the, the, your, your lone family member you've never talked to. Also, we talk about how much live ships are worth, and Amber's like, yeah, I have this little tiny shop on this little ragamuffin street. Here's mm-hmm. the key to my shanty. And they're like, cool, you get a live ship. I'm like, that doesn't seem like a right <laughs> trade. I don't know. Yeah, I have the same thought, too. I'm like, okay, so they're worth a whole fucking ton of money, but I guess the Ludlucks are just that desperate to get rid of him. But they How does this before. figure into Malta's math numbers? I don't know. Well, he still needs to get refitted. Yeah, he needs a lot of Yeah, work. but does this require selling herself to the Rainwest? Well, maybe they're going to reimburse Amber. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, what the fuck does Amber have in her shop that's worth so much money? Yeah. Some beads. Jack. Beads, man. Nice eggs. Mm. Beads are nice. <laughs> nice beads. Beads in the shape of eggs. You guys, I learned something disturbing in this part of the chapter where um, it comes up that she's, Althea is thinking about David, Devad, Rester, and how um, when they were little, he was, quote unquote, the source of sweets and pickaback rides when she was tiny. And I had one of those moments where I'm like, I always thought they were called piggyback rides. But in this yeah. book, it's spelled out pick a back rides 
And is that a thing? Are we doing another etymology lesson? Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) Who raised your hand if you thought it was a piggyback ride? I'm not raised. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Hand raised. Okay, what am I saying? The internet says... Is this one of those things that everybody has always said wrong and really... Okay. We're all idiots. So, pickaback is an older iteration. So, I think because this is a fantasy land set in, like, fake past, that's why she used pickaback. It started out as a pickpack, which was meant to ride on the shoulders, which then got changed to pickaback... And finally, the pigs came along in the 19th century by a confusion between pick and pig. Okay. All right. So it became piggyback because we're dumb. Yep. That's, uh, you know, that's the evolution of man. <laughs> it's a U- It's the U.S. iteration. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about yep. right. Because piggies don't carry shit on their back, so it doesn't really make sense. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um... That was more successful than we when we looked at Booby. <laughs> I I yeah I don't I mean I, I'm I'm happy that like I feel like shit's about to happen stuff's gonna start happening you know. yeah I'm into it I'm I don't think stuff's about to start happening mm-hmm. I think it's gonna take a while to get that ship in order <laughs> do you want to hear the voice yeah. actor's impression of six duchies? God, yes. 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 His expression changing, he lifted a hand to his nose. It's not me, the boy beside her piped up indignantly. A six duchies twang twisted his tongue. Sir, she's got shit all over her. I told you. (laughs) (laughs) You do? You need a bat, he added in a small voice. A bat? Shit all over you did. Um, okay, let's do every episode prompts. This be my crew, character introductions, and exits. So we don't have any really new characters, but we do have some exits. Well, these. new character was his, was Kenneth's mom, but... Uh, well, yeah. Okay, great. It's Kenneth's mom. <laughs> hey! <laughs> be nice to her. She doesn't have a tongue. <laughs> uh, but we saw the end of Sa'adar, which was much needed. I was sick of him. Yeah. Yeah. I just am so annoyed at how like little little purpose he served. I don't know. He even died annoyingly. Just like he had to like get kicked out yeah. again and then like pushed again. It's like go die. But it's also not, like how did he you. not think he was gonna get killed if he left that island? Like he had a cover. Yeah, he's dumb. Yeah. Why did he think why did he want to go he... in the first place? Uh, X marks the spot where the heck are we? Still in Bangtown and Keyhole Island. Bangtown. Bang and now we, now we have a member of the Six Duchies to remind us that we're somewhere <laughs> different on the map because he talks funny. Bangtown. Town. Poor Clef. Um. What a tangle. What are the serpents doing? Nah. Who the fuck knows? Nothing. Thankfully nothing, know. but Not. dragons can invade dreams. And the ships talk. What did we learn about live ships in this section? Besides the fact that they can play pipes. Uh, <laughs> Not very well. They can that get sh- call like a bird. Call like a bird. 
they get jealous of that they're hesitant about becoming pirates. But it seems like, you know, Vivacia seems to be connected to Kenneth, but not in a way where she can read his mind. Like, she can read his emotions, but not his mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and is this the patriarchy, misogynally, misogynally, misogyny, capitalism, <laughs> slavery, and fashions from Jamalia? <laughs> you know, the, the big ship patriarchy is on its way. I think we saw, you know, what happens <laughs> to... The big ship patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the big ship patriarchy. But, you know, we got to see Althea try to speak up for herself in the council, and she was kind of shouted down a little bit, and, like, it's really about her relationship to other men, and a little frustrating having to come to Devad's rescue and then be criticized for it. I don't know, no, there's at least one appreciative whistle. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Um, anything else that you guys want to touch on? On a scale of one to ten, how did creepy was it when the little charm on his wrist licked the blood off of his lips? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, actually, that was the one thing I, I was thinking um, was like, d- doesn't like Wizardwood sort of take on a little bit of the essence of anyone who dies on it and like. I mean, maybe Sadar didn't die on his charm, but, like, his blood is all over <laughs> yeah. it, and he just died. And can it killed him, so... Gosh. He's well, maybe he'll, he won't... He's gonna like Kenneth even less, because I'm sure Sadar didn't like <laughs> Kenneth when he was dying. <laughs> oh, but it gosh. is interesting that the that the charm said, like, just because I look like you, I don't I don't care about you. I am not aligned with you. You can't control me. Yeah, and it's... He also talked about how Vivacia is trying to, like, keep him away. Yes. Yeah. He does. Yeah. But he... Blocks, she can't completely because she's a much bigger entity than he is. I think it's interesting, though, because, like, when... Uh, my impression of the charm when it was first carved was that it was created to serve the purpose of providing Kenneth with luck. As like it was a servant to him and providing him luck, but now this charm is like, no, I have nothing to do with your wants and needs. Like I'm basically like he is his own entity, and they just happen to be bonded. But like he's not wanting yeah. to help him and exactly. serve him. Mm-hmm. He does it to sort of serve his own ends in some ways. Yeah, he doesn't want to get like buried with a dead guy. I, I guess, but like, how much, how many wants can an appendageless wooden charm have? It's not like it could like get up and walk away with itself, or you know, it's not like it's a neither can can it. You know, it's like I don't know. What if you had a wizard wood leg? Ooh. Peck leg. If you carved it a face was... on it, would it talk to yeah. you? Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Oh, man. That'd be good. So I just want to give everyone a big CW. Uh, Our next reading section is chapters 21 through 25. There is a content warning on chapter 23 for rape of a point of view character. Um, I'm going to do the same thing on that episode that I did for the last episode. I'll put the, the counts, the minute counts on the 
on the description of the episode if you want to skip that. So I am Rachel. You can find me at Darth Rachel on Twitter and Darth underscore Rachel on Instagram. And you can email us at buckkeepradio at gmail.com. I'm Alyssa, and you can find me at alyssamaynard.com. I'm Jenny. You can find me at Spray on Instagram. If you have any extra tattoo or piercing ideas for winter, you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Eli, and you can find me at Chewy Bread Cosplay. I'm Elena. You can find me at Moff Elena. And I'm Ashley. You can find me at Ladybird Parker. Okay, thanks guys. Next up is spoiler section. Bye. Good night. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I only had one thing I wanted to say. What? What is it? Hit us. It was... I highlighted it. Hold on. It was just the wording of a thing. Because it said... Uh, recovering her family's life shift was an errand for a fool. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I was like, hmm, fool's errand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> it was cute. I caught that as well. <laughs> Anyway, that's it. Sorry. That's um, I love that. Of course, Elena's like, oh, I think that Kenneth's a Ludluck. She kills me. She just, she's pissing me off. It was, it's, I didn't, I didn't, I have not once thought that, not even for a second. And, I thought I, that. I said that last Oh, week. did you? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Oh. Well, I, I said, what's Kenneth's last name? Yeah. Okay. Because we don't. Yeah, know. I didn't. I, so that, not I at any second did I think that, but as soon as she said it, I was like, oh, yeah, yep, that's, yeah, that's yep. probably true. Yep. Yep. Well, you guys, well, you read the last chap, the last trilogy. Yes, but I don't remember any of I don't of remember that. any of I mean, it. Well, I, yeah. Right, why and why would you? I knew that obviously he wanted Kenneth's son on the ship, which is why I connected that back to this, but I didn't remember like exactly what it was. I see. Like anything to yeah. do with the I, ships. It's very I was hazy. like, I don't know who any of these characters are. I'm just gonna keep reading. Hopefully we'll get back to Fitz eventually. Yeah. I mean, I did... That's what I did in Ring <laughs> I did go and look at, like, uh, a random chapter from one from whatever, like, the last book or whatever, and I was like, oh, this is more interesting now. <laughs> I'm... So like, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading like the... Queen Edda, and I was like, what? <laughs> reading those books again with some... Some... Life. Yeah, you'll get you'll get the with some live yeah, ship insight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. <laughs> sorry. I keep an eye on that what? trap door. Oh that yeah, trap door is going to be. It seems important. very important for sure. Uh. So yeah, that's all I got to say. 
Do we approve of the but did it die in an egg design? Oh, yeah. I, I, I approved eggs. of it. It's perfect. For sure. I need a sticker of its stat. <laughs> oh. What color should it be, or is black and white best? Well, it was black and white out, so... Um... I don't know what that face means. Yeah, what the hell is that? that what is that? <laughs> It's like a happy waving face, but it's also tired. <laughs> How do you get these these symbols? Where do they come? It's an extension on Google okay. Keyboard. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, uh, since we've run long, I'm cool with uh, stopping our spoiler section early, unless you guys have anything else you want to do a mention of. No. Okay. I'm good. All right, well, let's all go take baths and go to bed. Wait, go Bats. take a bath. Get rid of that pink shit. <laughs> a Uber. Too much pink shit. Oh, I can't. I really, really want, like, I really want Amber to be like, oh, the dulcet tones of the six. <laughs> you sound just like Fitz. Reminds me of. Reminds me of Fitz. I liked when they described him as, like, something to do with a dog. And I was like, oh, it is like Fitz. He's all six Dutchies people. <laughs> oh, they're still animals. It's fine. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 <laughs>